How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Extra Pass Podcast. I'm here with Jack Dimitros, and we are going to start off with our reactions to the recent All-Star Game reserves who have been announced on Tuesday of this week. Um, in the East, we had Jalen Brown, James Harden, Zach Levine, Julius Randle, Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, and Nikola Vucevic. And in the West, I believe it was... Um, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, uh, Rudy Gobert, Paul George, Anthony Davis, who just got replaced mm-hmm. for Devin Booker because he's going to miss it with an injury, uh, Chris Paul, and Zion Williamson. Yes, and I'm just going to start off by saying I don't think Ben Simmons deserved to make it over DeMontis Sabonis. Um, now, for people at home, DeMontis Sabonis on the Pacers this year, uh, I believe they're the five seed in the East right now, but his snub he will be the first player in nba history to average 20 10 and 5 and not make the all-star game and yeah indiana's the four seed although they do have a 500 yeah that's the thing i mean so (laughs) they are they are they're two games away from being the 11 seed so so that's just how the east is but yeah yeah it's it's tough i mean i think whenever you consider like an all-star snub you have to say who they would make it over and I guess you could definitely say Vooch because I think Sabonis is having a better year than Vucevic and his team is doing better. So, yeah, I mean, you could probably safely say that Sabonis should have made it over Vucevic given that he made it last year and is having a better year this year. Um, I mean, he's, he's kind of beating Vucevic in, like, every major stat category, and neither of them are, like, elite defenders, so there's not a huge parity there. Um, I think Julius Randle deserved to make it for sure given the way the Knicks are playing. Oh, yeah. Um, I, we, we we disagree on Ben Simmons a little bit. Um, I think that he, he's kind of just kind of like coasting off his name brand recognition to some extent. Um, uh, what, what do you think about that? I mean, I, I, again, I strongly disagree. I mean, I think just his defense alone this season has been so great that he has to be an all-star. Um, I, I'm sure the, the coaches especially – uh, that's a big reason why he got in, of course, which is telling, uh, especially to me, because again, now he's maybe not a player who it's like, Ooh, all-star fun. Yeah. Right. But he is such a good defender. And again, he is, st- even though, you know, Joel Embiid might be the MVP right now, you don't get the number one seed with one player. Right. And Ben Simmons is very clearly the second best player on the Sixers who are the one seed and again outside of just outside of the scoring he's been great this year mm-hmm. a- and even the scoring again he's only averaging 16 points a game but that's creeping up and again i, I still think he definitely deserves it uh, uh just again okay uh, just because of his so wh- who's your but biggest yeah. snub then uh i would say um as in total, yeah, either conference um, biggest snub. I would agree with you, and I'd probably go with the. I would probably go with Sabonis, because I, I uh, either Sabonis or uh, either Sabonis, Pascal Siakam, Trey Young over Pascal. I mean, uh, Trey Young, yeah, for sure. Like over Siakam. I mean, again, forward. Yeah. So, but for those wild card uh, positions, they they are positionless. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I'd still rather. I, I'm not gonna lie. I'd still rather have. Uh, I Trey's, don't know. Trey's kind of got a bonkers stat line. Got, yeah, but he also is still like one of the worst defenders in the NBA, and the Hawks are kind of booty. 
Yeah, so. I mean, he's he's kind of like the antithesis of like the Ben Simmons nod, though. Yeah, he's literally yeah, the like of he, ben he doubled, so again, doubles. So again, I, I understand Trey Young. There's so many guys in the East that could have deserved it. Yeah, um, I thought Tobias Harris. I don't even, was on the verge. Yeah, Tobias I mean, Harris. He's, he's basically putting um, up a 50-40-90 season. <laughs> yeah, no one's talking no, about yeah. it. Seriously, again, uh, Fred Van Vliet has been awesome this year, and <sighs> yeah, you know, no one's been talking about it uh bam oh bam that's okay, one. Oh totally. my god uh I-, I think bam uh is very clearly better than nikola vucevic i'm not gonna I, yeah I absolutely absolutely I-, I think he's probably my biggest snub i, I disagree with fred now first that of I all think about it uh, i mean fred's shooting 40 percent from the field this season yeah his de- i i what's funny is his defense has been awesome yeah but believe it or not but yeah again people don't talk about defense for all-star games unless you're ben simmons apparently (laughs) yeah again unless you're ben simmons and you get voted in by the coaches but again if they were the one seed right he'd definitely be making it but um you know i actually heard a lot of chatter that uh, tatum didn't deserve to make it which no he he did no i mean again now that the celtics are you know 15 and 17 it looks looks, bad it looks awful all-star and mainly in the month Uh, of february he's been shooting i think 38 percent from the floor 34 from three he talked about how since coming back from COVID, he hasn't really been able to breathe that well coming up the court. He's felt winded. I mean, that that's really annoying to me because like I get really concerned about his long term health. And just even in the short term, it sucks to watch him like struggle for air and clearly underperform, mm-hmm. probably due to COVID. But yeah, I still think he deserved to make it. I think Jalen Brown did too. I, I agree. And uh I, I, abs- I absolutely yeah. about Jalen Brown. Oh yeah, of Brown. course. It's hard to hard to disagree. Although he's also he's having a terrible February. And we'll, yeah, we'll get into I that mean, later, but the the regression was inevitable. It was, but this is this is this is not just regression. This is a this is a slump for sure. And again, yeah. we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, yeah, any, anything else that stood out to you about these All Star Game selections? Um, not really. Uh, I, I, just to, we didn't even talk about the Western Conference. I thought the uh, the Western Conference All Stars. This is exactly uh, what I would have done. Yeah. I'm happy um, Book so, made it yeah. over AD, though, because I think Book absolutely deserved to make it over Chris Paul, honestly. Yeah. Chris Paul said that himself. Uh, yeah, I think that's very fair. Again, I, I would have liked to see it just because of, um, you know, I want Book to be an all-star because everyone was like, oh, he he just needs to win and then he'll yeah, be an all-star. Exactly. And then they won and they're like, no, you're not going to be an all-star. But again, I, I, I we all knew that Anthony Davis was going to be uh, an injury replacement, mm-hmm. and it was very likely uh, as that Devin Booker was the, you know, the clear, the, the clear replacement, the clear, yeah, there, yeah, there wasn't the anyone clear close. guy. Exactly. I, yeah. I, again, there def- definitely guys you could have argued, mm-hmm. but it, I think it was definitely Devin Booker. Yeah. Uh, for that, and again, it was right. So I, I don't really care. But outside of that, Zion has been awesome. Yeah, he absolutely deserving. Absolutely late. deserving. Again, Chris Paul has been great, and again, just his impact he's had on the mm-hmm. Suns is undeniable. Anthony Davis again hurt, but he's Anthony Davis. Paul George been awesome. Rudy Gobert again, Jazz number one seed. He's been their best player. Yep. Awesome. Uh, Donovan Mitchell again, Jazz number one seed. Although he kind of he has been. I don't know how. I, I, I'm not sure about how deserving Donovan Mitchell is, but they are the ones. I seed. think if if Ben Simmons is making the All Star game, Donovan Mitchell's yeah, making the All Star. I game. agree, but I what. I, <laughs> What I would have said is that uh, you you can absolutely make the case that 
Donovan Mitchell has been the third best player on his own team this year? Um, I don't know. I mean, Conley's having a great year, and I've, I've seen a lot of chatter about... Actually, I saw an article today that made a case for him being the best player to never make an All-Star game. But I think... I mean, Donovan Mitchell's played more games. He's scoring more yeah. points. Uh, and he's the face of the franchise, so... Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I agree. But again, it wasn't likely that Mike Conley was going to be selected over Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Just, you can make that argument. I guess, but if he had been, that would have been yeah. pretty... People would have been upset about that, for sure. Yeah. All right, so... And then Dame, yeah, obviously, I mean, he's been like an MVP candidate. Year, Arguably yeah. could have been a starter, should have been, but... Yeah, should have, should have been. Yeah, I think so. Speaking of the Mavericks and who he would have replaced in Luka... Um, They've started to heat up a little bit, um, climbed back up to 500, and Luca was stunting on the Celtics the other night with two step-back threes <laughs> on back-to-back possessions to tie and then go up three. So, I mean, this was something we kind of saw coming all along. Like, I don't think either of us were really concerned that they would miss the playoffs entirely, especially given the play-in, but it's really encouraging to see that they're back on track and that they look like they're yeah, they're they're trending in the right direction, and they should be in the mix for that like five through eight seed, like we expected them to. Yeah, absolutely. And Luca in particular has been unreal yeah. uh, this month. Um, I mean, he's been shooting like like forty something percent from three. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously his passing has been great. Like yeah. he's just been putting up monster numbers. Uh, so again, he's kind of made the argument that he deserves to be, uh, a, uh, starter in the all-star game. And possibly back in the MVP race. I mean, he was the favorite going into the season. Again. It will take a better seed. If they can reach, if they can reach, like, you know, the same, uh, record as, like, the Blazers, the Warriors, right? I see no reason why he shouldn't be an all-star, right? Also, in Mavericks news, um, there's been speculation that Porzingis is being shopped around the league. A few teams have expressed interest, including the Wizards, oddly enough. But what do you make of, of this? Is this like normal midseason murmurs? Or do you think that they're actually looking at the situation saying, this isn't a great fit, we need to move on? So, I think what this is, is it's not as much they are shopping Porzingis. It's more he's no longer untouchable. Mm-hmm. And I also think it would just be it would be stupid for the Mavericks to trade him right yes, now. I agree because his value as is so low, and I think it's you know I think it's a little stupid to you know just cast Kristaps aside just because he's been bad. I mean he has not been good. He, he hasn't since been he came awful back really. Season. I mean if you look at his numbers from yeah. the season, he's been okay. Yeah, he's been fine. I mean it's mostly defense yeah. where he's really struggled, but uh, I mean. When you look at how good he was in the bubble, and even you know before that, uh, I mean he he was awesome. Yeah. So I think it's just give him time, mm-hmm. right? Give him time, and of course you have to hope he doesn't get hurt, which is just such a problem for him. I mean he missed the last two games because of uh, back soreness. Yeah. It's always something new. But, that's the that's the real issue. Yeah. Exactly. That is the problem. But yeah. So uh, again, I I don't know if it's. The trade will definitely not happen this year. I don't even know if it's something that would happen this summer. It wouldn't be prudent um, for them to move on, given the fact that they're trending yeah. in the, the right direction as well. Exactly. And, again, I mean, he just raises the ceiling of this team to another mm-hmm. level, right? If he can get healthy, 
they're so much better than what they are yeah. um have been right now and i mean he really just does an add an absolute new dynamic especially when luca is off the floor so mm-hmm. again i think i would not think too much of this right again the, it's definitely notable that he's been you know offered in trades and i i do see a world where he is traded but it's not gonna happen soon in other news, there hasn't been too much movement in the standings aside from the Celtics, who again we'll get into in a bit, but the Wizards went on a five-game win streak, and it was a pretty impressive one too. They beat the Celtics by double digits, Rockets by double digits, the Nuggets by two, the Blazers by seven, and then they beat the Lakers in OT. Just got snapped yesterday against the Wizards, but Russ had a post-game interview. Or Blazers, right? Um, the, no, no, the Clippers. The Clippers beat them yesterday. Oh, yeah, yeah. But Ross had a post-game interview where a reporter asked him, like, oh, it's, it's great to see your burst back. What's new? And he basically was just like, yeah, I'm healthy now. <laughs> I wasn't before. He was dealing with a quad injury that he was nursing for a few months. And in the past, you know, week or two, he's kind of looked like the backcourt t- pairing that we expected to see earlier in the season. And this was a team that we both thought was going to sneak into the playoffs in the East. Now, I mean, 11-18, and 18, it's not a great record by any means, but... The East is so goddamn look, bad. Look, yeah, look at what the rest of the They are East only is. two and a half games out of a playoff seed. And actually, in terms of play-in, I believe they're much closer. Um, they're two and a half games. Yeah, yeah, because the, the 10 through 8 are all tied uh, six games back. But, yep. Yeah, so, I mean, they're, they look like they're kind of trending in the right direction, for sure. Um, and I really do think that, like, all of these teams in the East – it's so bad. It's it's awful. It's just like I can absolutely see a world where the Wizards, who are the 13 seed right now, one of the worst teams in the league, are the seven seed two weeks from now because that's how volatile, inconsistent, and just frankly mediocre it is. I mean, there's four teams with a winning record in the East. One of them is 500. Three. There's three. I, I guess you could consider 500 not a winning record, but yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. three teams with a record over 500. The Pacers at 15 and 15. And then the Raptors are the five seed with a losing record. So it's it's, <laughs> it's laughable. It really is. That is so funny. Like, yeah. Oh, Mike, that's crazy. No, it's, it's, it's honestly embarrassing. And <laughs> I mean, man, our take the, that the East is bad. I know. It's so cold. That take is awful. <laughs> that was a horrendous now. take. Oh. And there were a few things we didn't account for. Um, I would say like the Spurs being this good, the Blazers being five games above 500. Um, the Suns being like would have had the best record in the East right now, but really it's just like a slew of disappointments ranging from mm-hmm. the Celtics to the Heat to the Raptors even. Um, and I would say the Pacers too. I mean, we both thought the Pacers would be better than 500 for sure. The fact that they're the four seed yeah. right now at 500 is just, it's a miserable conference and it's miserable to Luck. watch too. <laughs> yeah. So um, Jamal Murray also one of my favorite players in the league dropped 50 points last week on no free throw attempts which that's also an nba record and it just it got me thinking like this this past offseason all the chatter post bubble was like jamal murray most improved player jamal murray most improved player like this is the year and he's been on a max contract for three years but he still hasn't really like you know broken the seal and ascended from an 18 point per game scorer who is pretty inconsistent to like an elite star. And, you know, he hasn't really offered the Nuggets that like star duo, but when he does, 
and when that two-man game with Jokic is actually flowing, there's not many better duos in the league, I would say. I mean, yeah, Jamal Murray, again, right, when he has it going, is just one of the most, you know, fun players uh, to watch, I mean, in the NBA. I mean, he is just so exciting, like, He's so smooth. He's such a dynamic scorer on all three yep. levels, right? It's truly, I mean, it's ridiculous. And his pairing with Jokic is is really great. And what I think is, uh, you know, really funny about, you know, uh, Jamal Murray and what you just said is that I think one of my biggest problems with him is that he doesn't get to the line mm-hmm. a lot, you know? So if you talk about how he just had the first 50 point game in NBA history without getting a, without shooting a free throw. And that's kind of a, his big problem for him. Um, and you talk about consistency. Well, you know, free throws and getting to the line is a big way where, you know, guys can be consistent. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that's something he really needs to work on. Uh, yeah. Even though with his play style, it's a it's a little bit hard because he is a jump shooter and he's he's that smooth play style like a Kyrie, yeah. right? Who's never had a, a a great free throw rate either. But again, I think that's a big place where he should try to improve, and I think that could, you know, not not that alone. Obviously, he needs to just I mean improve in other areas as mm-hmm. well. But for him personally, I think that should be you know maybe the number one thing. Uh, for him to him to get better yeah absolutely because like when that jumper's not falling he he has like the Kemba problem where he can't really penetrate and uh score in many other ways and yeah he's he's so like delicate around the rim that he avoids all contact instead of really going through it but he totally has the ability to he has the build for it it really just needs to be like a matter of execution but um their ceiling is so high like when you watch him play well and you watched MPJ play well. That, that, I mean, that's like a, you see the seeds of a big three that are like slowly growing, you know, growing pains, obviously. Um, MPJ with like his back issue, <laughs> he's not a finished product by any means, but mm-hmm. there's, they show flashes every once in a while of being just like an insane offensive trio. Still a lot of work to do on the defensive end, but it doesn't seem to be their concern primarily. Um, yeah, I mean, it should it be a concern of theirs, but yeah, absolutely. All right, so now for the Lakers. Um, you guys just came off as we're recording this on Wednesday the 24th. You guys just got smacked by the Jazz. Um, I know mm-hmm. you're without two of your top three best players in Dennis Schroeder and Anthony Davis. What's going on? What, what's What's been the deal lately with Los Angeles? So I, I think there's a couple things. I think the first thing uh, is they're just, I mean, they're exhausted, mm-hmm. right? You know, coming off the finals, uh, you know, what's, what was it? 70 days ago. 72 yeah. days uh, before the season starts, mm-hmm. right? It was only a matter of time until, you know, this team hit a slump, Yeah. right? Look at what the other teams, uh, you know, uh, who made the conference finals are doing mm-hmm. right now. They're not good. No. <laughs> right, the Celtics and Heat are both under 500, and uh, Denver is barely above 500. Yeah, you know, and, and when you take into account the fact that Anthony Davis was recovering from an injury uh, in that short off season, 
and was just totally out of shape coming up, you know, and then him in his, you know, injury uh, has, I mean, he's, he's more valuable this year than he was last year mm-hmm. because the Lakers don't have that springy athletic big man this year like they did last year. So that along with Dennis Schroeder being out because of COVID who outside of LeBron is really the only guy who can consistently, you know, get pressure on the rim. I guess THD as well, but yeah, he's still working progress good on defense. Um, so again, those two things, you know, those two guys being out as well as the Lakers also going through a massive shooting slump right mm-hmm. now. I mean, basically everyone on this team is shooting bad. Including uh, LeBron. Other than like Kuz. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, LeBron has been, I mean, he's recently, his shot has been awful. He started out so hot too. And then ever since February, yeah, he started it, off so it seems hot. like everyone in the then, league, you know, they just fell off entirely. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But yeah, like, I mean, his shot has just been off. Mm-hmm. But what I will say about the Lakers is even without Dennis and Anthony Davis, who are probably their two best defensive players this year, they've still been really good on defense. Obviously, they weren't really that good tonight, yeah. but uh, Utah also just decided to not miss <laughs> uh, this yeah. game, which they seem to do often. Um but yeah, again, I, I'm a, the only thing I, I'd be pretty concerned about with the Lakers is the three-point shooting because this year the NBA has become such a make-or-miss league. Yeah. Uh, it, it's really ins- insane, honestly. Evidenced by teams but, like the Jazz, you know. Yeah, you shoot, you shoot exactly, these better than anyone right? else, you're going to win more games. And Brooklyn. Yeah, of course. Um, So I am a little worried about the fact that they just don't have a knockdown shooter on their team. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of good shooters, right? But they don't have a knockdown shooter, which is a concern. It doesn't make me think they aren't the championship favorites, but it is a concern uh, to look at uh, for the playoffs. Yeah. But overall, again, I'm really not that concerned. Again, a four-game losing streak when you're losing your second and third best players. And you're uh, still in, you know, top three seeding position. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like they're, you know... Not it's not like they're out of the playoffs no, right yeah. now or anything like that. Again, uh, of course, I would have loved to win some of those games, especially the one uh, against Washington <laughs> yeah. um, where they blew a huge lead. That was bad. But, you know, like uh, uh, this Friday against the Blazers, they get Dennis back. At, at that point, if they lose that game, I'll be a little worried. But, again, it's a regular season for a team who just won the championship and had a super short break. I'm not too concerned about their their losing streak. It's easy to see the fatigue setting in too, even with LeBron tonight. He looked I mean, he, he looked like a, a he looked he looked like a thirty six year old guy who's been playing thirty five minutes per game for the past two decades, right? Like mm-hmm. um, I was watching a video last night by Swish Out and he was basically just like pleading to LeBron, like please don't get hurt. Please don't get hurt. Because this man Yeah he almost got oh, hurt. Oh yeah that lob that he missed on landed on his hip i mean <laughs> my roommates and i thought he was done for a second but m- might have been a little bit of a flop um definitely a foul but yeah it's like especially with ad out for the next month again right like uh i mean it was four weeks uh like a, a week or so ago yeah and then obviously the all-star so break about, so about a month in he, real time. he should be back after the all-star break or slightly after yeah. that but so yeah. there's four games left till the all-star break for most of these teams 
ultimately if they went like you know one and three or two and two it wouldn't be the end of the world but my only concern from like a, a non-lakers fan would be like making sure that lebron doesn't feel the uh, regular season pressure to win every single game that he plays in and really just focus on his longevity especially going into the playoffs because like on a night like tonight he really did have to do it all for them and that's just a lot to ask like i don't care who it is I don't care yeah. if it's, you know, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like, if you're old, you're old. <laughs> if you're playing a lot of minutes, mm-hmm. you're going to feel it. And after a while, you're going to act like it. So, I think um, the fact that AD's not – it's it's really funny, too, because, like, AD's, like, the young buck. And he, he expect, yeah, you I mean, expect him to be, like, carrying the banner. Yeah. And, like, you know, it's been old the man LeBron's here, like, holding the ship together. But ultimately, I think it won't matter once the playoffs roll around. So, yeah, and and one more thing about LeBron and his minutes is, uh, I mean, it, from watching LeBron, you know, I, every mm-hmm. game he's played, basically, you know, this year and most games last year, what you realize is that he doesn't really ever move <laughs> when he's not involved, yeah. Yeah. right? So he kind of just stands, does as much standing around doing nothing yeah. as possible. Which is like symptomatic which, of what we're talking about, I would say. Exactly, right? It's how he's able to play so many minutes mm-hmm. because he's mastered the it what uh, what I and you know a lot of people uh you know on Lakers Twitter at least like to call like in-game load management. Yeah. Right? He it's 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 like you just watch him and of course he still, you know, makes rotations when he needs to and stuff like that, but you know, he does a very good job of not exerting a ton of energy you know he doesn't run around a ton which really helps uh you know mean be less worried about these mm-hmm. minutes wearing on him for the future because again he was playing the least minutes of his career before uh this yeah. month so again i assume once ad and uh dennis get back it'll be more like that and he'll start playing less minutes and this will be just a, a blip uh, in the season. Yeah. But again, it's still something I'm going to have to keep my eye on. So now for Celtics talk, it has been a tumultuous week. Um, we, I'm pretty sure the last podcast we recorded, I don't even remember how we left off with the Celtics, but it definitely wasn't as, um, as pessimistic as what I'm about to say is. But I think at this point, if it's not abundantly clear I mean, the team is in the same tier as like the Bulls and the Hornets at this point. Um, they're fifteen and seventeen. They have a worse record than yeah. the Hornets. Who would have thought <laughs> that when Gordon Hayward signed with oh, the man. Hornets, everyone was oh, like man. going to a trash team? What? Yep. <laughs> the Celtics, and now they have a better record than the Celtics. Although what I will say about Hayward, because um, I've been I've been thinking about Hayward, you know, constantly these days. But Hayward left because <laughs> he hated being in the shadows of like two young star wings, right? But he goes to Charlotte, and, like, all anyone cares about is LaMelo Ball in fucking, like, Terry Rozier. No one cares about Gordon Hayward. I don't care how well he's playing. He's like, no one likes him. That is <laughs> Did true. You see? No one does care no about one, him. No one cares about Gordon Hayward, bro. Did you see the fucking, um, in the media vote, Hayward was, like, 7th for the All-Star game? And in the player vote, he was 15th. Like, nobody likes Gordon Hayward. The players don't like him. The media doesn't like him. So, I don't care. Gordon Hayward can go kill himself. But, basically, the Celtics aren't good. And, like it's it's past the time to you know think that a Marcus Smart return or you know like a Kemba resurgence is the answer because 
this team is just so top heavy. I mean, it was really a failed experiment going into the season. And I know you warned me about this, but I was kind of holding out hope that they would get, you know, like year two and three improvements from people like Grant Williams, um, like Romeo Langford when he's back, people like that, they would step up into the spotlight and become true NBA rotation players, be able to move the ball, you know, get that extra pass in, find open looks, hit open shots. But the opposite's been true. It's just like my turn basketball, every single possession. Um, They just don't have the personnel to run a modern NBA offense with, you know, off ball movement, extra passes, you know, the things that make teams like the jazz great right now. Like you watch the jazz Mm -hmm. play, they're spinning the ball around the court three times to find an open shot. The Celtics, they're, you know, in the bottom five in the league in assisted field goals, assisted threes. And, I mean, compound that with the February slumps that Tatum and JB are in. They've been playing terrible recently. But another thing that bothers me, and I'm not sure if you've seen this discourse yet, but Mike Gorman, who's, you know, the longtime Celtics broadcaster, was talking about how basically like the this this team's issues fall on the shoulders of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And then I saw a tweet today that was like, this is exactly the type of rhetoric that snowballs into players being really dissatisfied with their team. And it's true because Jalen Brown and Jason mm-hmm. Tatum both deserve to be all-stars. That can be true at the same time that they're 15 and 17 and, you know, <laughs> flirting with like the 10 seed in the East. I mean, yeah, they're currently the ninth yeah, seed. Yeah, and that's that's an indictment of their roster. So to place any blame on the two superstars who are, you know, backpacking this god-awful roster every night, that's just really toxic for the team. Um, and it's just, like, definitely not what you want to be putting in the ears of your two franchise, you know, cornerstones. Because the blame absolutely and without question falls on Danny Ainge first and Brad Stevens second. And... I know Brad's been catching a lot of heat lately, but he's proven time and time again what he can do with, you know, competent rosters. Again, three out of four Eastern Conference Finals. Like, that's no joke, and that's not all player-directed. So to, to blame, like, any of the players that are intact in the system right now is just really stupid. But really what, what they have and what they still haven't addressed is they have a Gordon Hayward-sized hole in the rotation um, they have a Kyrie Irving-sized hole in the rotation that has been there since 2018-19. So, like, those roster problems. Uh, we we were talking on Twitter, and I kept sending you those pictures of, uh, like, an edit where it's, it's like, you know, the Celtics this year, but um, Kyrie Irving in his Nets jersey photoshopped in, Terry Rozier in his Hornets jersey <laughs> photoshopped in, Marcus Morris photoshopped in, and Hayward, obviously, on the Hornets. And it's like, damn, this this team's winning 60 games. And it's it's like, yeah, that, that team would be absurd this year. Freaking Horford in his OKC jersey. Like, they had a really competent roster that just wasn't there at the right time. And two years later, you know, the superstars that they drafted made the right evolutions, but the rest of their star players are gone. And, I mean... I don't know. Don't even get me started about Kemba. <laughs> like Kemba. Yeah. The, Kemba is making $37 million in 2022. And this season he's shooting 37% from the floor. He's a jump shooter only. I've said this for like two months now and some people still can't understand it. Like that's the thing with Kemba. Like when you take 
jump shots all game. You're going to have some good nights. And you're going to score 25 points occasionally. You're going to score 28 points and beat the Hawks. And people will get on Twitter and be like, oh, you guys really thought Kemba was washed. (laughs) Kemba is washed. Okay, if you can't comprehend that, you have to look at how Kemba performed in Charlotte when he was actually getting to the line, you know, running an offense, facilitating to some degree, and compare that with the Kemba that we've seen in Boston this year. It's, It's a really stark contrast. And... Earlier this week, there were reports that came out that Danny Ainge was shopping Kemba in the uh, the preseason, and apparently the narrative was that all these GMs were like angry at Danny Ainge, which I think is really dumb because like it's it's a business, right? If you have a terrible contract, you try to move on from it. It doesn't matter how nice the guy who's making the money is or how much he smiles. But <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. I was about to bring up the yeah, smile no. memes. Those are oh, hilarious because like <laughs> Kemba will literally get like thirty five put on his dome by Trey Young, and he'll be like smiling and dapping him up in you know the handshake line. So I, it's tough because I like Kemba, right? Like Kemba's a good guy. He's still. Yeah, I mean he's a great guy. That's the worst part about it. He's such a cool. It's dude. terrible. It's really it's really a shame. And uh, I mean, like what I said with JT and JB, it's not even all on Kemba. It really isn't like. Kemba would be fine if they had a competent, you know, six through nine in the rotation, but they don't. And the onus falls on the big three now, but it's not a big three when Kemba's not a superstar or, I mean, even a star. Like, it's this team's issues go beyond, you know, any individual player. And once you have so many issues on your roster, you really have to point fingers at the person who constructed the roster and Danny Ainge, who thought that bringing in Jeff Teague was going to, you know, bring this team back into the playoff race. So I think going forward, also something I I haven't mentioned yet, but it was really bugging me. Jalen Brown has tendonitis in his right knee. Like he literally has tendonitis in his knee. He was nursing it a few weeks ago and they rested him in one game and then they were like, well, we can't rest him because our team's horrible. <laughs> so he's been basically just playing like at probably like 80%, 70%, which is so dumb. Like, so dumb. I mean, the Celtics manage injuries horribly, as we've seen in the past three years. Mm-hmm. But this especially is really annoying to me because at this point, I've let go of all of my expectations for this pl- the playoffs this year. I mean, realistically, like... What team below 500 this year is a title contender? None, and I mean, none. Yeah, no, yeah. and to to say the Celtics are ex- you, are an exception. Like, you're not under 532 games no. again. We're, we are almost halfway through the season. Again, the Celtics are at best going to be 19 and 17. Yeah, you know if they win out, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, I mean, that is just it's not a championship team right now, and I completely agree. I mean. And you, you you hit it right in the head with it's the blame is on Danny Ainge, yes. right? The fact that they had all of those first round picks, yeah, over the last few years, a literal war chest, <laughs> and they didn't trade any of yeah. them for serviceable role players. Yep. Right when you had a team that was competitive at the mm-hmm. moment, again the only pick outside of JB and JT. And smart, right. but that's in uh, 2014. Yeah, but again, I'm talking about the yeah, more yeah. recent ones, right? Of course, the smart was a great pick, but it, it's Robert Williams, and right? Pritchard, Outside Pritchard. of Robert Williams, who, again, still has his flaws, uh, and, and that's why he doesn't play a ton of minutes or start. Um, it, 
there it just like there's nobody. No, there's, <laughs> there's really nobody, nobody good. Uh, and and I should say, uh, Peyton yeah. Pritchard and been really I'm, good I'm, this yeah, year. He's been the sure. only the only positive contribution from their bench this year has been Peyton Peyton, uh, Peyton Pritchard. Yeah, but um, uh, absolutely. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> it, I mean, when you look at that, like I love Grant. I love Grant Williams so much, and he's just not no. He's good not a good basketball player. And, and there are just so many like again. Romeo Langford, like, h- how many games has he played in his career? Yeah, I mean, he's he's not going to see the court until after the All-Star break, and at that point, any contribution he brings will yeah, not be noticeable. Ex- it's just, like, why? Like, you look what the Lakers last year literally just got Dennis Schroeder for Danny Green, yep. who Sixers fans want dead. <laughs> yeah. And, and, for, and for Danny Green and, what was it, the 28th yeah. pick? Right, and you're telling me that Brad Stevens just decided to draft a bunch of rookies and young guys in the late first round. It, it, you know, like the you know the having the war chest of assets. It looks great until they become players. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And you realize that it's hard to draft. <laughs> it's very hard to draft, especially when those picks are not top three. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, I mean, that's again that single thing is a big reason why the Celtics are where they're at now, right? It was pretty clear that some of those Brooklyn picks were going to turn into great players, right? Yeah. But everyone thought they had they had more picks than that. It was like, oh, they're going to have a whole team full of good young guys. Well, that just turned out to be false. And now they have, like, three young good good young players. Yeah. I mean, if you want to call Marcus Smart young. I'd call him young. I mean, he's 26, he be, but... Yeah. The, the cosmic irony of that is that they also did draft some other great players who blossomed in other player in other places, like Terry yep. Rozier. I mean, I would kill yep. to have Terry Rozier back on this team for Kemba, given their contracts. Like, yeah, I mean, Terry's been Terry's balling. been going nuts. And, they, and, and, and the, the literally, you know, what's funny is the best player they've drafted outside of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Uh, he currently plays for the Memphis Grizzlies, yeah. and his name is Desmond. <laughs> yeah, Bain. he's literally starting for them. He's literally starting for them and still balling out yeah. and playing good defense. It's just, it's honestly, I mean, as a Lakers fan, I'm not going to act like I'm not, I don't find this hilarious, <laughs> Shut up. right? I, I do, and I love it, right? But, like, it, it's just sad to see, like, such an unbelievably good situation turned into something where, I mean, how did the Celtics really, like, what do they do in the next couple right, of years? So I, I have a plan. I have a plan, but the plan basically involves blowing up the roster. And I know that sounds extreme given that this team is one year removed from almost making the finals in it's relatively similar construction. But the, the pill that every Celtics fan has to swallow is that Kemba Walker's contract needs to go. They cannot pay Kemba Walker $37 million in 2022. That is just a death sentence, not only for their roster, but for every aspiration they have. They need to move his contract this offseason. It's not going to happen in the regular season. I think they're going to weather the storm. And who knows? I mean, the, I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs. Like, first of all, I think they'll still be no. in the playoffs, obviously. No, they're not going like, to Like, they're not in... Or not going to no, miss the They're in the top sorry. eight right now. They're not, rather. But that doesn't really concern me. What really concerns me is that this is a team, again, with two all-stars under 25. Like, they should have championship aspirations. So everything I, I say about the Celtics is in the context of them winning or losing a championship. To go from being a mediocre playoff team to a championship contender, they need a wholesale of their roster. Everyone can go. 
except the following players. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Robert Williams, Marcus Smart, and Peyton Pritchard. I know that sounds extreme, but those are the five players who have upside, consistency, and, I mean, just players that you can count on in your organization and also are on great contracts. Like, Jalen Brown's contract is one of the best values in the league. It's not even close, but... With those, I know. I was. I mean, I, it's so crazy. Like that was like at the time. Like oh, that yeah. did not look like no, a good contract. People were pissed about it. The same way people were pissed when they drafted him. But here we are. I mean, Jalen Brown, he's the goat. But okay, so basically, those five players are the only untouchables. And I, I mean, I wouldn't even call those bottom end players untouchable. Like ultimately, if moving no, yeah. Robert Williams gets you a third star, you do it. But I do believe Robert Williams is the Celtic center of the future. He's been going crazy as of late. Um, he's been the the one bright spot in the past two weeks as everyone else on the roster has just gone to shit. But I think those five players are consistent and worth building around. And again, have tons of upside. After that, you have to move Kemba's contract. You have to move it because I think after this year, he still has some value. Um, I don't think anyone's considering him a complete wash in terms of like being a quality NBA player. Um, He's clearly not worth the money he's making and everyone knows that. But I think if you package him with some young assets, perhaps like Aaron Neesmith, who's shown some upside, um, could be Romeo Langford, it could be like Carson Edwards, any of those young players, package him, sweeten the deal, and get Kemba's contract off the books. Free up the cap space, um, and with Kemba's max slot gone, although Tatum's super max will kick in, you're going to avoid you know a catastrophe luxury tax situation in which you're forking over millions in the luxury to pay for a 33-year-old Kemba Walker who can't even get to the rim. So that that's a real liability. And if they can't find a way to move his contract this offseason, they're in trouble. That's the bottom line. So it's no surprise that Danny Ainge wanted to move it this preseason because I think he saw the storm coming, which I credit him for. And again, I'm not mad at him for trying to move Kemba's contract. Like, yeah, it sucks. I like Kemba, but it's a business. We want to win championships. You can't do that with a six-foot point guard on the wrong side of 30 who can't draw free throws and like can't play defense. I mean, even in the playoff, like in the playoffs, everything we're saying about Kemba is just 10 times worse too. So that's mm-hmm. worth keeping in mind. But once you get Kemba's contract off the books, I think then you can start looking at packaging some of those young players and picks. Although at this point they're trading their own picks. So to like really do a wholesale renovation, they're going to have to trade some of their own picks if they want exactly. to get off of Kemba's contract. Yeah, so it, it'll take potentially some young players or picks um, to get Kemba off the books. But honestly, I'm rooting for him to just like get back to relative form throughout the rest of the season, just so that he's tradable and movable. And in the event that he has a great second half of the season, you still trade him. I'm sorry, like you have to because there's no scenario where next year's Kemba Walker is significantly better than this year's. But Aside from that, um, I think if you're able to do those things and you can land some key role players with the traded player exception, which um, Celtics owner was on 98.5 this morning, actually, and he was talking about how they are, or he hinted at rather, the fact that they're not planning to use the full TPE midseason and that there's a scenario in which they use most of it in the offseason, which I'm okay with. Like, another thing that we have to understand about this team is that they are not one Harrison Barnes away from being contenders. Yeah. There's also, I think, uh, just on that point, there's not really a lot of teams that are selling no. at the trade deadline. I mean, I do think the there's Kings a lot are, of teams that, but again, yeah, they're they, not again, one Harrison Barnes uh, maybe away not from the, contenders. I'm not necessarily talking about the Kings, yeah. right? But 
just in general, the trade market is going to be dry. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of teams who, you know, really think they're contending, which, again, I don't think the Celtics are right now. No. I don't think they're contending, are going to be going way harder for guys than, you know, the Celtics are willing to go. Yeah. And so, again, I, I do agree. I don't think they will, you know, make the make a big trade this uh, this at the deadline. No, and it'd be dumb, too. And I swear to God, if they mm-hmm. trade Robert Williams or Peyton Pritchard to land a midseason acquisition, I will freak out. Like, it will be the, the end of me because, I mean, <laughs> Robert Williams is, like, the future at the center position for this team. If you disagree with me, you're tripping you're absolutely tripping this man is nice (laughs) robert williams is literally good like he is so effective and i think that i I really do think he's part of the young core at this point um people were saying this last year and they kind of just he kind of needed the season to like bring it into fruition and he's doing that right now but everyone else can go and when i mean everyone i mean everyone like jeff teague shouldn't even be rostered first of all so he doesn't count but like the thompson contract you you have to move (laughs) off of that you can't be paying Tristan Thompson $10 million when you have Robert Williams on the yeah, bench. Yeah, the whole MLE. The whole yeah, MLE. Absolutely. That, uh, absurd. Like, And you said that earlier. I wasn't sold on it. I thought he had some more in the tank. And to be yep. fair, he does. I, I like, lit- That's the thing, though. Tristan Thompson will still give you a double-double almost every night. He, yeah, he's also... I mean, he's still Yeah, good. he's fine. But you, you need to move him. Like, you don't need him. You need to play Robert Williams 25 minutes per night, and you need to play Tice the remainder. That's it. It's that simple. Like, Robert Williams is your center. Um... Aside from that, moving Thompson frees up again like ten million in cap, uh, a few more moves, and you could actually start looking at making some offseason acquisitions. I think once they ultimately move Kemba, they're going to need to find a complementary playmaker. But I mean, next year you have you know Peyton Pritchard in year two, who's proven to be really poised with the ball. You have Robert Williams, who is pretty much doing everything in the paint for you, and you have your young wing tandem that really leaves them like three solid role players away from being a much better team. Um, and I think if all those things can happen, and also ultimately they're not going to dump all of their young players, so I imagine some players like Grant or Romeo will be back and able to contribute next year. I think they can be in a much better place, but it's really going to come down to whether or not they can move Kemba's contract. Yeah, and here's the thing, is that even if they do move Kemba's contract, it's not going to be very easy, no. right? Like It will, it will take some I, There's there's the odds of them being able to move Kemba's contract and keeping both of Robert Williams and Peyton Pritchard. Mm, it's not very I, good. I, I disagree there. Um, I think they have enough young players and future picks. I, I definitely think they would prefer to expend those picks to move Kemba's contract. But, I mean, in recent years, we've seen teams take in bad contracts. Like, it happens. And oh, yeah. Teams will I, make I, it happen for picks, especially. Yeah. For so sure. I think ultimately, like at that point, if you have to trade Robert Williams away to get Kem off the books, then you might have to start reevaluating how much of a... Yeah, again, his contract is bad, but it's not like... I don't think it's an Al Horford level bad contract uh... where there's multiple, <laughs> multiple... Where there's three years left on the yeah, deal. Yeah, that's fair. Again, it, it'll be two left, which is not pretty, no. and it's a more expensive contract, so... It's going to be hard to get off, but I mean, you're, you're totally right when you say if the Celtics want to contend in the next couple of years, they need to do that. And again, by the time Kevin's contract is over, they're paying JT the yeah, max. I mean, they're paying right? JT the and max you, next year. Yeah, right. You're paying JT the max next year. And that really limits your flexibility. Yeah. 
And again, by that point, uh, you're gonna have to extend Robert Williams. Yeah. You know, the uh, the Celtics. I mean, they got obviously they still have uh, JT and JV under contract for a long time, so it's not like worry that they're gonna leave or anything. Mm-hmm. But you need to start figuring out how to put a, a roster without Kemba, a championship roster without Kemba around yes. them. And you need to start doing that now. Or again, this offseason, yeah. more I mean, likely. At, but, the yeah. clock is ticking. As soon as you know, 72 games are up and the playoffs are over this year, the clock is ticking. And you have exactly five years to make Jason Tatum the happiest man alive. And if I really do think, like, if they don't win a championship in Tatum's first contract, he's gone. I really believe that. And that's mainly because Tatum, at that point, will have been in Boston for eight years. Um, and he'll have, you know, just kissed the surface of glory and of winning rings, but he'll have never reached it. And I think at that point, he'll want to move on. Jalen Brown might too. So if, if they don't get things together and really start to, you know, seem like a threat to the title in the next five years, yeah, I mean, they're they're not just going to stick around and, and wait for this team forever. Like, they're going to want to win. They'll know their worth. They already do now. I mean, they just made the all-star team together. Like, they the, the clock is ticking, and they have things to figure out. But at the end of the day, when you have two all-stars under the age of 25, like, you can feel good about the future. So here's to someone absorbing Kemba's contract this offseason. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, that about does it for us. Thank you guys so much for tuning in.